you're listening to This Nazarene Life, stories of young Nazarene clergy and their role models. Today's episode is sponsored by North Street Community Church of the Nazarene. North Street is on the south shore of Boston, and they are shaped through local and global partnerships, practicing neighborly care and concern, and providing a place where artists can practice their art. You can check them out at northst.org. Today on the podcast, we have Reverend Jen Chapman from Nexus Community Church in Dallas, Texas. This episode is literally pastors in a car getting coffee, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Thanks for tuning in. Jen Chapman. Jen is the lead pastor at Nexus. Nexus Community. Nexus Community in Dallas, Texas. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. So, you know, the first question I ask everybody is, how did you end up in the Church of the Nazarene? Okay, well, when I was in first grade, my family moved to um, a new neighborhood and a neighbor invited us. Um, to the local Church of the Nazarene, where I quickly got involved in choir and doing musicals and children's Bible quizzing and all the fun stuff that the church had to offer. And so we were hooked and um, stayed at that same church all the way through high school. Um, and then I went to Southern Nazarene University. Mm. So did your parents have a church background? Yes, um, they. My mom grew up mostly Baptist. Okay. Kind of non-denominational slash Baptist okay. type background. Sure. Okay. So then, tell me about your call to be a pastor. How did you end up being a pastor? Well, um, when I first went to SNU, my hunch was that I was. I felt a call to the church. Okay. I wasn't sure exactly what that looked like, but Mm -hmm. I thought that probably it meant I was going to marry a pastor. Okay. So I figured, you know, what goes well with pastors? Teachers, right? Okay. So, and I liked kids, so I thought, you know, maybe I'll be a teacher. So Mm -hmm. I started out SNU as an elementary education major. Okay. And my first year, I worked at an after-school program. And by the end of that year, it was very clear that that was not my calling. (laughs) So, um, but what I was really interested in were my um, theology Mm. courses. Mm. And I really wanted to become a theology ministry major. Mm. I had no idea what that would mean, Mm -hmm. um, but I just felt like that was what I was supposed to do. Mm. So, of course, my parents were horrified um, because they had no idea how I was ever going to make money um, in that field. Right. Anyway, I changed my major, loved all my courses, um, and then it was finally in my preaching class um, Mm. with Dr. Green my junior year um, that I started reading about kind of the vocation of pastor. Okay. There was a book we were reading. It just really resonated with me, and Mm. it was like, yeah, this is it. This is what I'm called to do. Mm. Um, and the funny thing is it, it had really just never occurred to me before that I could be a pastor. Mm. But as I was kind of reading 
about the vocation of pastor, Mm -hmm. it was just very clear to me that that was what I should do. And then I had the opportunity of preaching a sermon in that class and loved it and got a lot of affirmation um, when I preached. And so it was kind of like a confirmation that those things I was feeling were, were, were true. So... Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. So, so where did you go from there? You you were at SNU. Mm-hmm. I graduated with my degree in theology and ministry, and then I went to Nazarene Theological Seminary in okay. Kansas City and got my MDiv. Mm-hmm. And did you go straight from there to what you're doing now? Not quite. Okay. I I actually left a year early before I finished. I just had like a few more hours, and um, I went to, um, I moved to Denton, Texas and started out as the pastor of student and family ministry. So it was my first full-time ministry position. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was there for two years and then moved to Dallas. Mm -hmm. So did you start Nexus? How did you, what was the relationship like there? Yeah. So I, the answer is no, I did not start Nexus, but I was in the midst of the process of Nexus becoming what it is today. Mm -hmm. So when we first moved to Dallas, it was kind of like the church I was at in Denton, it it just wasn't a good fit. Okay. Um, That happens sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I really kind of felt a draw to possibly plant a church, Mm. but wasn't sure exactly what that would look like. Oh, by the way fun part of the story. When I was at SNU, I started dating, of course, a religion major because I was supposed to marry a pastor, right? (laughs) Um, So I started out elementary ed, started dating a guy who was ministering theology. But now we are married and he is a teacher and I am a pastor. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's super fun. Um, So anyway, he had a teaching job um, Mm -hmm. in Duncanville, which is like South Dallas, and so um, we decided to move to Dallas, and I'd get a job at a coffee shop, and we would kind of, like, see what happened and somehow figure out how to plan a church, which seemed really scary, but the right thing to do. Cool. And so we made the move, not knowing what that would mean. Wow. And then we got connected with Nexus Community, which was a group out of a larger Nazarene church um, that was having a Saturday night service. Mm -hmm. They were kind of like a congregation within the church, but part of the church. Okay. Um, And they kind of had a goal to kind of reach younger people. Um, They were, you know, a little more sacramental, a little more liturgical, you know, those kinds of things. And Scott Dermer was leading that group. Um, But he needed to leave um, Mm -hmm. to go. I think he's working on his doctor. I think he went to a doctoral program. And so he was leaving. And so they were trying to figure out what they were going to do. And so I got connected with them. And that was a really good fit, which was great. Um, So I started preaching for that group. But they were kind of wrestling with, should we become a church plant. And of course I really wanted them to become a church plant. Um, (laughs) but I couldn't just say like, Hey, you guys, let's come, let's go. Um, so I just kind of let them work that out. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they 
decided that that's what they wanted to do. And so, and they wanted me to be their pastor. And so that's what we did. And so we started out meeting in um, kind of a random office space that someone, they worked in a, like, in that building, but there was this empty space by them, and they were like, hey, maybe maybe they would let us meet there. So uh, we did meet there, but we were we knew that was a temporary spot while we were trying to figure out kind of who we are and what we're doing and where we're going. But we really wanted to connect with a community where we could serve mm. and kind of like bind ourselves to a particular community. We didn't want to just be a church that does service projects. We wanted to really connect with a community of need. Mm. I love that. So it so happened that around that time, there was a group of um, 50 formerly homeless families who were getting moved into an apartment complex on like a housing, alternative housing type program. And um, there was kind of a bit of a fuss in the neighborhood over, you know, we don't want these people Hmm. here and we want to see these apartment complexes go the opposite way, not down. We want to see them go up, you know. Um, So we thought, hey, maybe there's a way that we can go and support these families Hmm. who are, you know, struggling and trying to get back on their feet. Yeah. So um, found some connections in the city of who would know how to get involved and it turned out there was an after-school program a nonprofit organization that had an after-school program in that same apartment complex oh wow that's kind of like what they do they do after-school programs in apartment complexes in low-income areas um and so we connected with them and they not only do the after-school program but they kind of do various things to kind of build up the community community dinners, crime watch meetings, Mm -hmm. services like financial classes and things like that. So we got involved with them um, and they said to us, you know, if you need a place to meet for church, you could come and use the space that we use for after school program um, and meet there for church on Sundays. I thought, wow, that sounds amazing, but I don't know if I can get my folks on board with this because Mm. we've got people with young kids. We're going into this neighborhood that not only is it culturally different, so there's a level of discomfort, but this is a very high crime area um, in Dallas. And so we're talking about people bringing their toddler age children into a community where there is gun violence and, and, you know, people getting mugged and things like that. And so, um, it was scary. So we took about a month, um, to pray about it and kind of seek God's direction. But by the end of that month, it was just very clear that Mm. that's what we needed to do. And so we did. And so we started meeting there. Um, it's been almost six years now since we moved into that apartment complex we've we've moved across the street but it's the same area and the same after school program organization it was just a first floor facility that was on the other side of the road so but yeah we we've been there just kind of learning really a lot about that community and um 
growing together. So mm-hmm. it's been really great. Tell me about Nexus. What is it like? What is your congregation like? What is Sunday morning like? Okay, so in a lot of ways, we're just like any other church. Okay. Except <laughs> we're also not like any other church. <laughs> um, so right now, our congregation is a nice, big melting pot of people who drive in from various parts of the city, from affluent neighborhoods, um, everywhere. Um, we're kind of all spread out. Mm. So there's about maybe a little less than half that are those folks. And then there are people who currently live in one of the apartment complexes that we have been in. Mm -hmm. And those folks are people who have mostly grown up in poverty. Most of them, although not all of them, most of them are some type of minority, uh, mostly black. Although we have Puerto Rican family. Um, We have a group of three Iraqi children Mm. um, whose family just moved here a few years ago. So when they started coming, they spoke mostly Arabic. Wow. Um, But their English is getting better. Um, They're really sweet kids. Um, So, you know, we're a real diverse community, Mm -hmm. um, both racially and socioeconomically. So, it's really fun, but we're also small. Um, our average Sunday runs about 30 people. Okay. So, and we are very casual in some ways. Like, you know, people can come dressed however. Yeah. But at the same time, we are somewhat liturgical. We follow the lectionary. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we celebrate Eucharist every Sunday. Mm-hmm. We, like, do the scripture readings, and we do, like, responsive readings. We do prayers of the people. Mm. Um, so there's a, there's a, it's kind of like a laid-back liturgical situation. Okay. <laughs> You've, like, created your own style there. Yeah, I mean, granted, Scott Dermer really kind of set the tone, and okay. we've just kind of um, morphed it a little bit as, as time has gone on and our community has changed. But, but Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I know that you are really passionate about the diversity of Nexus community, and you're passionate about what diversity brings to the table. So I was just wondering if you could kind of tell us about that. Sure. You know, one thing that I have learned over the years is that we tend to have this mindset as, you know, affluent white Christian people that... We are supposed to serve others, Mm -hmm. which is great because we totally are, but we go into a community of need and often we kind of see ourselves as the people who have, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we have the resources and we know what other people need to do to like fix their lives Mm -hmm. and get their stuff together. Um, and we can help them and serve them, which is all fine and good unless it stops there Mm. because if we're only the people who give and we don't allow ourselves to receive Mm. then we're really missing out on what this community has to offer Mm. because while we may know some things about you know how to keep a job and how to balance your finances or, you know, whatever else. 
honestly, these folks know a lot more about what it means to trust God. Mm. And they have experiences that we need to learn from. Mm. Um, And they have a kind of faith that we need to learn from. Um, I think that sometimes we kind of get mixed up and think that because we have the resources or we have, you know, a a good standing in society and we have, you know, the right kind of way to talk and all of those things that that we are somehow more spiritually equipped or Mm. more morally right than people who are part of that, like, poverty culture. Mm. But that's not necessarily true. And there's so much that I have learned from being in community with people from that culture. In a lot of ways, they don't need me to help them with their faith. Um, In a lot of ways, I need them to help me with mine. Mm. And the reality is that we help each other Mm. um, and we live life, we learn to live life in community with each other and we all benefit from that experience. Mm. There is a lady who just recently started coming to Nexus and um, she is just one of the most incredible people I have ever met. She lost her son um, just a few months ago. He was murdered Mm. in Dallas. And she has a history of substance abuse. And she... So we have this little Bible study, um, little women's Bible study that we meet on Tuesdays. And so we're sitting there in our group of ladies. And she shares with us that when her son died, that you know, her first impulse was to kind of go back to some of the things that she has dealt with in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, some of her old habits and old ways of living. And she said, you know, I tried going back to drugs and, and I tried to go back to alcohol, but I knew that none of it was working. And so kind of, kind of her third thing to try was... God, Mm. the Bible. And so God kind of woke her up at three o'clock in the morning, one morning, and she just knew she needed to get up and start reading her Bible. So she did. And for a while, I don't know how long, maybe a few weeks, she just got up every day at three o'clock in the morning and started reading her Bible. Wow. So this is a woman who hasn't been in the church for a very long time, who's had just had a son brutally murdered who has this past of substance abuse, drugs, and alcohol, and God wakes her up at 3 in the morning every day, Mm. and she reads her Bible. Mm. And then um, she realizes, you know what? This is kind of hard to do on my own. Maybe I should find a church. And so she has a neighbor Um, a neighbor who she thinks she remembers probably went to church. And Mm. so she goes outside and sees the neighbor and says, hey, don't you go to church? And she says, yeah, I do. Um, Why don't you come with me? And so, and that was somebody who 
started coming to our church kind of at the very beginning when we first started at the apartment complex. Her daughter, we we were going out to the playground um, to kind of try to connect with the community a little more and just having like a little children's thing. And her daughter started coming. And so that's how they started coming to the church. Mm. And this woman is incredible as well. She, um, somebody in the community had an issue with CPS and her kids got taken away mm-hmm. for children. And this lady who goes to our church took all those four children in. So did like a kinship foster care situation for about a whole year. Um, She took in those kids. So, and so now her neighbor, you know, understood enough of, of her and her life that she was a person who went to church. And so she connected with her and started coming to Nexus. And as much as we offer support to Brenda, we are just so blessed to have Brenda Mm. in our church because her faith and her connection with God is so inspiring. Oh man, I love that so much. What is your, what's your favorite part about being at Nexus Community? Oh, wow. Um, There's so many wonderful parts about it. I think that my favorite part, though, is when the service ends every Sunday and I look around and I see these people just loving each other. I mean, just these circles of people talking who otherwise their lives would never intersect. And yet, they are family mm. to each other. Um, they're holding each other's kids and talking about each other's weeks and drinking coffee together and cleaning tables together and, you know, taking out the trash and just, they're just a community. And it's just so beautiful. There's times that I stand in front of nexus community and i get choked up (laughs) because it's just so beautiful to look at this incredible group of people Hmm. what what is it that nexus community is so you have kind of sunday morning i guess is your service Mm -hmm. um and then you said you have a women's bible study yep and as far as formal things that are happening that are organized that's the extent of it okay but that's really not the extent of it okay. because the people in our church really function as family for each other. Mm. Um, for instance, we have a couple who um, they kind of oversee the finances for a woman who um, has she has some disabilities and she has to have a person who oversees her finances. Okay. And so they became that person for her because she kept getting taken advantage of by the people who were overseeing her finances. And, and so, you know, but that's kind of like an ongoing friendship, mentorship type of relationship Mm. um, that's happening. We have a woman in our congregation who uh, has been in the hospital. Well, she was in the hospital for like six months and now she's at home, but she still has a long way to go in kind of healing from, what's going on with her. And so we have people who are going to visit her and 
um, keeping connected with her. And, you know, so there's, it's just the church being family to each other. It's a community of people um, who love each other throughout the week and care for each other's needs. And, um, you know, sometimes we do other more formal things, but not always. And that's okay. Oh man, that's great. So I've actually, I've been to Nexus a few times and I always really enjoy your preaching. And I know that you're passionate about preaching. Do you preach pretty much every Sunday at Nexus? How does that work? Yes, I do preach pretty much every Sunday. Um, our, we have an associate pastor who mostly works with the kids, but she preaches sometimes. Okay. And then we have another associate pastor who's very part-time, just kind of started the uh, process of working through creden- credentials and all okay. that. And he's preached a handful of times. So, but that probably happens once every, like, two, three months. Mm-hmm. Um, so mostly I'm preaching every Sunday. So talk to me about your, your like, weekly routine. What, what does it look like to be the lead pastor of Nexus Community? Well, you know, to be completely honest, I wish it looked better. <laughs> <laughs> How do you mean? What do you mean by that? Like, what I, what I would like to do um, isn't always what I actually do. Okay, fair. Um, and I guess I'm just being brutally honest with myself. But I would like to be so much more involved in the community. Okay. Like, there on site. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just not. And mm-hmm. I really don't have a good excuse for that. I mean, okay. I do live 20 minutes away, but... And I would like to live closer, mm-hmm. but with my husband's job, it just doesn't work. Okay. But I would be a better pastor if I spent more time there. Okay. But I tend to spend a lot of time in sermon prep. Okay. Because I really like preaching. Sure. That's great. <laughs> um, I do a lot of reading, reading commentaries, reading how other people have processed a particular text. Um, I do plan the worship at Nexus. Okay. Um, so I am working with the music and the liturgy. And, of course, there's just your random interactions with people, whatever yeah. happens that week. You know, right. whether it's meeting somebody for coffee or taking somebody to a job interview or someone is calling you upset because they haven't, taking their meds and you have to get them to the doctor right you know so you just kind of never know what Mm -hmm. your week is going to happen what it's going to hold and so I think that's part of the reason that I don't end up making an effort always to be in the community Mm -hmm. and also because I'm extremely shy okay I'm not an introvert but I'm very shy okay which is odd how do you mean mean well because I really love being around people but I'm also terrified of talking to people I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. it's a terrible predicament. Right, right, right. Um, I need people, like, for energy, but I tend to, like, find extroverts to, like, latch on to mm. um, because I need them for, like, confidence. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's great that you know that about yourself. Yeah, right? yeah, totally. You kind of know how you tick. And so if I was going to do my job really well, I would go into the community that I'm seeking to serve and I would find those extroverted leader type people there and I would latch on to them and I would get them to show me the community. 
But my last six years, which is the entirety of the time that I have been serving Nexus, Mm. have been very trauma-ridden in my personal life. Yeah. Um, We, my husband and I, went through, at the very beginning, kind of an infertility struggle. Mm -hmm. And then we decided to go the adoption route. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we adopted two boys. Mm -hmm. And that's been crazy. Right. (laughs) Wonderful, but very crazy. And so just very emotionally taxing. Mm. And that process plus a few family deaths and then um, some marital issues. So it's been like a whole chunk of time that I've been the pastor at this church that my level of emotional energy has been incredibly low. Mm. Um, And so there are weeks that it's all I can do to study the word and pray and make Sunday happen. Mm. Um, When I look back at these years as a pastor, I realized that I really haven't been a good pastor at all. Um, but God has carried me, Mm. um, through awful times. And the fact that Nexus still exists, you know, church plants tend to not make it past two years. Um, it's really by the grace of God mm. that we continue to exist. And there was actually a whole section of time um, that we were really struggling with one of our adopted sons. And he has some pretty extreme attachment issues. And um, we were just kind of so completely exhausted and had yeah. no idea what we were going to do. And I came to the church and I was just like, I can't, like, I just can't, I can't do this. Mm. And I thought I was going to have to quit (laughs) because I just didn't have it in me to keep leading. It just wasn't there. And, um, but we came to the decision to kind of just take a break. Mm. So we didn't stop meeting together, but I stopped preaching. I took, um, I think two full months off of preaching Mm. and we kind of did this thing where one week we would go visit another church together Mm. um, and another week we would do kind of like a small group Bible study type thing Mm. um, which I led uh, but you know it doesn't take nearly as much preparation as preaching and then another week we would just eat together and have fellowship And so we kind of did that process for a couple of months. Mm. And during that time, our church grew. Wow. Um, And it was really incredible because it's just amazing how you can realize that you just have nothing to Mm. give. Um, But that God can basically just pick you up and and carry you through it and um sometimes as pastors I think we always feel I know I do that 
like we just need to do more we need to do more we need to do more mm-hmm. um but sometimes we just have to like rest in God and and let God lead the way and and carry your church through whatever it is that you're facing at the time mm. and and what an incredible gift that your community gave you by saying let's walk through this together let's take a break let's do whatever it takes and just trust that God will get us through this season and um, man what was that what was that like for your for your church to kind of make those decisions and um, walk through that journey together how did you were you nervous approaching your leadership about taking a break well, not really, because I have to tell you, my church board is the most amazing church board ever. Oh. I mean, like, I actually look forward to church board meetings. Wow. Yes. <laughs> um, and when we have church board meetings, they are two hours long, and it is not an odd thing that we stay an extra hour talking with each other after the board meeting is over. Wow. Because we just really like each other a lot. <laughs> and they're just the most incredible people. And any time that I have had a need, they have been so quick to figure out how to help me. Mm. And so it's been really awesome. So no, I, I wasn't nervous. I think that I think that what I what I've always had to struggle with um, is being ashamed mm-hmm. that I need help or that I can't do it anymore, mm-hmm. um, because I want to be good at my job. <laughs> you know, I I want to be strong and I want to be able to do it no matter what it is that's going on in my personal life um, or whatever struggles I'm facing. I I want to be, you know, that, like, superhero type who can just do it all and is so amazing. Um, And so it's very humbling to have to come before your church board and say, I'm sorry, but I just can't. Mm. Um, So that's just hard for me but they're if you have to ever do that they're the absolute best people (laughs) to have to do it um too they have just always been incredibly gracious and supportive um so I'm really lucky (laughs) I mean I think we have this vision that pastors are ultra spiritual and super productive and they're always there for you no matter what and it's like amazing that your church has allowed you to admit your humanity and be open and vulnerable with who you really are. I feel like there must be pastors out there listening to this who feel like they are going through a rough season or a dry season and they're having to put on a face and hide that from their people and like what a gift from Nexus to you. It's almost like God has put you exactly where you needed to be. Like like almost like you are for Nexus as much as Nexus is for you. Like, that relationship seems really symbiotic. Yeah, it really is. Um, and, you know, it's been interesting because I've talked to some of my church members who I'm 
close to and just kind of lamented that, like, I'm sorry that I'm just this struggling disaster of a pastor. And, um, you know, one of my friends said to me, but the vulnerability that you have is really powerful. And she said, a lot of times when you're going through the hardest points, that is when your preaching is just really meaningful because I think that a lot of times as pastors, we kind of feel this need to, to kind of put up a few walls and not let our people know that we're struggling. But my struggles were so, um, you know, huge that there was no hiding them. Yeah. And I've always been the type that kind of airs on the side of oversharing. <laughs> I'm just kind of an open book, vulnerable type of person. And so I think that them being able to watch me walk through mm. these difficult times and just be honest with them about where I'm at and my struggles and doubts and fears and all of that. I mean, it's, it's real life. Um, it's what people experience. And, and sometimes I think that people have pastors who don't seem to have the struggles that they do. And so I think for my church, it's been meaningful to them to get to see me as their leader spiritually, but not like above them. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just one of them who goes through all of these struggles, um, that people go through in life. Oh man. And, and just from the outside looking in, having been to Nexus, I feel like that community wouldn't be around if they had had a pastor who had a polished life with no mess because it's a complicated, messy community at times. And to know that you are alongside them and that you have it rough too, I think that if you weren't relatable in that way, it would be really hard for that particular church. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Oh, man. That's amazing. Thank you so much for being brave enough to share things like that. I think so often we want to make it sound like we're perfect and good at what we do. And, oh, we've had struggles, but we're over them now. And life is, you know, polished and um, easy or at least simple. And um, it's just so often not the case. And to be fair, I... W- I know a lot of your people and they would say that you're a fantastic pastor so (laughs) don't don't discount um yourself as a pastor and I know specifically for me like I have always looked up to you as a role model um as a lead pastor and a woman and a preacher who is fantastic like I I feel like there's um so much about you that I find myself wanting to to emulate especially not being a senior pastor myself um thank you so much yeah you know I I totally mean that So, at the end of these interviews, normally I ask the person, um, what inspires you to stay in the Church of the Nazarene, and what is it that's keeping you here? But I, because I know you, and we've talked in the past, I I get the sense that um, if you ever moved away from Nexus, that you may not stay, 
And so I'm just curious if you could talk about your heart and where you're at and what that journey looks like for you in the future. Sure. Um, Well, let me first just say that I love the Church of the Nazarene. While I didn't have a family that has like this long history of being in the Nazarene Church, um, I was very quickly brought in Mm. to the family. And my professors um, at SNU and NTS are some of the most important mentors that Mm. I've ever had. In fact, I think all of the most important mentors I've ever had in my life are Nazarene. Mm. (laughs) Um, And I feel a great indebtedness to the Church of the Nazarene and to those who have raised me up and um, given me um, the ability to serve and and confirmed my call as a pastor and encouraged me and allowed me to become a lead pastor, you know, in this denomination. It's, it's amazing, really. Um, and I'm so thankful for all of the Nazarene people that I know and love. Um, but as I have kind of moved forward in my journey and in my study of scripture and in my life and some of the things that I've experienced, Um, my, I guess where I feel called, um, is in some ways in conflict Mm. with the Church of the Nazarene. Um, I want to be a part of a church where everyone is truly included. And I also have this this strong belief that continues to rise up in me that we need the people on the margins of our society. I mean, that's where Jesus was always going to. And Jesus didn't just go to the margins to serve them and love them. Jesus went to raise them up to a place where they were valued and important and leaders, where they were sharing the good news with others who needed to hear it. And I believe that for me and my personal convictions, it's not enough to love and welcome marginalized people. I think that we need to allow them to teach us Mm. and we need to allow them to lead us Mm. because there are things that they understand that we don't yet. Mm. Um, And so I just feel like we need each other. And right now I feel like there are certain things that if I was to teach them from the pulpit, um, that I would be some kind of rebel or kind of breaking the rules or hurting the church um, by causing division, by raising up a congregation of people who think like I do. Um, And granted, that that happens somewhat organically, and some of the people in my congregation do, but I don't don't preach that way because I don't feel like it's right Mm -hmm. um, as a person with credentials in the Church of the Nazarene. But I want to be able to preach that way. Mm. I want to be able to write that way. Mm. Um, I really love to write. And I would like to be able to 
use my voice um, in support of the LGBT community. And right now, I just feel like I actually have a blog post that I wrote recently that I'm like, I just can't, I can't put it out there right now because it just, it wouldn't be right. Mm. Um, And so that's, yeah, that's where I'm at. Well, and it's obvious that you're a person who lives openly and honestly and vulnerably. And so I can see how that would be difficult for you to feel like there are pieces of yourself that you have to keep pretty quiet in this season of your life. Man, thank you so much. I feel like this has been such a good time and I love hearing your heart and your passion. And, um, I appreciate so much the opportunity to be in the same tradition as you and to kind of learn from your journey and, um, watch it unfold. So thanks. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. So if somebody wanted to ask you some questions about Nexus community or church planning or being a senior pastor who's also a woman, um, how could they reach you? Where can they find you? They can email me. It's Pastor Jen, just J-E-N, Pastor Jen, dot N-C at gmail.com. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>